Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. And welcome to America's Heroes Group. This week is our roundtable with our partner, Heinz VA, Women's Health Care. Today is Saturday, July 16th, 2022. July is American Diabetes and National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. You just heard our host, Cliff Kelly, bring us into the show. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have a great show. We're going to get into it right away because there's a lot of things we want to talk about. We have a very great host or panelist with us today. That is Rachel Morales. She is a licensed clinical social worker. And she works with specifically eating disorders. And she's a lead, the lead, team lead for Hind VA Hospital for Multidisciplinary Eating Disorder Treatment and the teams that support that. She's a graduate from Yale University with a master's in social work, and she's a founding member of the Heinz VA Hospital Eating Disorder Treatment Team. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me today. I want to really get into this. There's a lot of information. I was really, really shocked to read about and get information on eating disorders, particularly how it affects veterans and how it affects people in, even in the military. So tell us about some of the some of the, the breakdown. There's about 30 million Americans right now across the country suffering from different types of eating disorders. Give us some information as to what this is all about. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, so as you said, about 30 million Americans suffer from eating disorders and data suggests that the rate of eating disorders in veterans are comparable to or higher than those in civilians. And I want to just start off by saying that eating disorders don't discriminate. They can affect men or women, regardless of age, race, gender, sexual orientation, or body size. Um, you can't look at someone and tell if they have an eating disorder. And eating disorders impact people of all body sizes. And so when we're thinking about the veteran population, a 2021 study of um, OEF, OIF veterans showed that about one-third of women and one-fifth of men reported symptoms that were consistent with an eating disorder diagnosis. And that's a pretty significant number, um, much higher than what is typically acknowledged or talked about when we're thinking about that veteran population. Um, and there's a few reasons why that is. Um, there's three specific risk factors that are um, 
things that we want to pay attention to in the veteran population, and those include trauma, the emphasis on shape and weight, and inconsistent eating patterns. So I can tell you a little bit about each of those topics, if that's okay. Um, The first is trauma. So we know that there's higher rates of disordered eating in connection to trauma, and some of that that might show up in the veteran population could be military sexual assault and sexual harassment, um, intimate partner violence or domestic violence, combat exposure and PTSD. And so women who report military sexual assault and sexual harassment are actually twice as likely to have a diagnosed eating disorder compared to those who do not. And up to 66% of individuals with an eating disorder have concurrent PTSD symptoms. Let me start um, right there for one second. So what is the, so when we talk about eating disorders in that instance, are we talking about people mm-hmm. who are just not eating because they're just they're just in shock, so they stop eating. Maybe, or what types of eating disorders are we talking about? Yeah, great question. So, with eating disorders, we can kind of think about them on a continuum. Um, so, the the primary eating disorder diagnoses would be anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa binge eating disorder, and then ARFID, which is avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. And so when we're thinking about eating disorders, I think it's more helpful to think about behaviors and disordered eating behaviors than thinking specifically about a diagnosis. Um, So some of the behaviors that we're looking for are restrictions. So that would be limiting your food intake um, or reducing or eliminating food items or food groups from one's diet. Um, And so people can engage in restriction for a number of reasons, including religious traditions or medical necessity, such as limiting sugar intake for diabetes. So our goal is to think about why is that happening? Specifically, um, looking at restriction connected to um, that overemphasis on shape and weight and body concerns. Um, so restriction is the first behavior that we're looking for. The second would be binge eating. And so binge eating, when we're talking about that in a clinical sense, um, it's eating rapidly when not hungry and being uncomfortably full. And there's this sense of a loss of control or it can be associated with depression, shame, or guilt. Um, So when we're thinking about binge eating, um, oftentimes people will think about overeating or maybe getting to that point of Thanksgiving full, but we're looking at more of a pattern behaviors when we're talking about binge eating, and we're really looking for that sense of a loss of control. Um, So that's what separates binge eating from maybe overeating. So we're talking about these types of things, or or people are conscious of this. So somebody binge eats, for example, they may not be thinking that they're, you know, that they have eating disorder. They might just be, this this might be their behavior. They might, you know, maybe they have a busy schedule, particularly in the military, you know, you get a chance to, you know, to, to maybe you're out in the field for a couple of weeks to come back, come back to, you know, barracks or come back home, and then you're hungry, so you're eating a lot of food. Is that something? Is that indicative mm-hmm. of of binge eating, or is that is that something that's more subconscious or more unconscious? Yeah, that's a great point. So when we're thinking about those 
um, risk factors. One of the main risk factors for the veteran population, the military population, is that inconsistent eating pattern. So absolutely, in the military, we do things that are very functional at the time. So you might be in the field and only able to eat once or twice a day. So you have to eat really rapidly. You have to eat all of your calories at one time because you don't know when you're going to be able to eat again. So the problem is when we come back into the civilian world, um, when we leave that kind of field um, situation where that's no longer as functional for us anymore. And so when we're going for long periods of time without eating, and that maybe sets us up for eating a lot of food in a short period of time, getting that point of being past the point of um being comfortably full and and again that loss of control so something that might start out really functional um eating you know once or twice a day when you're in the field can can become problematic especially when we're thinking about using that food for comfort um using that food to manage maybe some intense emotions or things that are going on once we get back um so that's when we start to see some of those problems and it's important to remember that an eating disorder is a mental health condition but it greatly impacts our physical health as well um we can't separate the two so looking at why are we doing this behavior and i you know, I appreciate that you said sometimes this is unconscious. We might think that this is normal because we were set up to do that while in the military. So when that comes back, um, something that felt normal, again, may not be as functional, may not be serving you in a way that's helpful, could be impacting your physical health, your mental health, and creating some problems for you. And that's where we'd want to step in and offer some support. Um, The other piece of that is oftentimes when folks um, experience binge eating, they will engage in compensatory behaviors. So those are any unhealthy behaviors meant to compensate for or undo that eating. And so this could be purging um, or intentional vomiting. This could be laxative abuse, diuretic abuse, diet pill abuse, either over-the-counter or prescription medication abuse. Um, This could also be excessive exercising. We talked about restriction or fasting, going for long periods of time without eating. So all of these behaviors are what um, folks might engage in to attempt to compensate for that binge eating. And again, those would be unhealthy behaviors that could have a severe impact on your physical health, um, and that's where we kind of get some of those diagnoses of bulimia. So when we're thinking about binge eating disorder, um, we can think about that as just that binge eating without any of the compensatory behaviors. Bulimia is the binge eating and the the compensatory behaviors. Let me me jump in for one second. I was looking at some some data, so kind of give people a little bit of a reference. Mm -hmm. The National Association for Anorexia Nervosa and Associated Disorders had some great information, and one thing I was shocked to hear, and you mentioned this, so in the military, we're talking about 13% of males, 21% of females in the military, and then I want someone to go into this topic of body dysmorphic disorder, and then that, and Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, bulimia being a common problem in the military. Um, Eating disorders, like you said, is a mental health issue, second most deadliest in the nation next to 
uh, opioid addiction, opioid overdose addiction. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's a serious issue. So now the thing is, and also make it make a kind of give a personal. I remember I had a, I had a really good friend, a really close friend of mine. He was an accountant, and he told me and a friend, a fellow veteran, that he had an issue with eating. He couldn't stop eating whenever he would drive home from you know his office. Every restaurant between his office to home, he had to stop off and get something to eat there. And the only thing that prevented him from really just eating throughout the night was he ran out of money. He would literally eat himself till he was you know broke, pretty much cash broke, and he eventually died. Mm-hmm. He suffered from a heart. He, he was like five hundred pounds by the time he passed away. Um, so, so separating. So, what's the difference between a person who has unhealthy eating habits versus eating disorder where it becomes deadly? Yeah, so we can think about disordered eating on a continuum. Um, On one end of the continuum, there's wellness, where we have mostly positive feelings about our body and our shape. Um, There's no good or bad foods, um, so we aren't labeling foods. We aren't saying, this is good, I can eat this, this is bad, I can't eat this. And then we also have kind of a healthy relationship with exercise. So um, we aren't engaging in excessive exercise. We're moving our body in a way that feels good, helps us to feel good without that emphasis on shape and weight. There's more of a health focus um, and separating the definition of being healthy from the number on the scale. Um, So that's one end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum would be those um, diagnosed eating disorders. And so in the middle, um, there's this idea of a preoccupation with your body size and shape and eating. Maybe you don't like some parts of your body or, or a specific area and the way that it looks. Um, or you consistently feel like you want to lose a couple of pounds, um, you have frequent, frequent thoughts about food, maybe you get on a diet for a while and then come back off and dieting, um, you might feel guilt about what you eat occasionally, um, and then there's, you know, the next step up might be some distress about what you eat, so um, thinking about food, your body size and shape, that interfering with your day-to-day activities, having really rigid eating patterns, um, and working really hard to change your body or compensate for what you eat. And so that that leads us to those eating disorders um, where we meet kind of full criteria for an eating disorder. And we're thinking about functional impairment, the distress, and how that's impacting your mental health and your physical health. Um, so when we're thinking about this continuum, I would argue that a lot of people engage in eating disorder behaviors or disordered eating behaviors. Um, If you've ever skipped a meal because you were saving up for a better meal later, um, that would be disordered eating. If you've ever eaten past the point of feeling full to where you felt uncomfortable or maybe a little guilty about what you ate, that would be a disordered eating behavior. So these behaviors in and of themselves are pretty common. Um, We can also think about diet culture and stigma around weight and shape, um, fat phobia. And so all of these different cultural societal influences also can impact our thinking about our bodies and the food that we eat. Um, so, and so, so let me so ask you a question all, there. So with, with dieting, yeah. 
in the diet culture, how much of diet culture is eating disorder or is it all unhealthy as far as, you know, the typical traditional, we think of dieting as we have Atkins diet, we have, you know, fasting is a, is, is a diet that people are using right now, as it's talked about everywhere from Dr. Oz to a lot of the health uh, leaders in the health social uh, social uh, uh, media uh, communities. They're talking about all these different types of diets, which are kind of lending themselves as you, what you described as eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we're thinking about um, these messages that we're getting, we want to think about how does that impact us personally? So if I'm constantly engaging in dieting and trying to change my body, how is my self-esteem? How is my body image? Is that doing good things for me or, you know, impacting me with my mental health? Um, I would argue that a lot of that is really unhealthy. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that you have an eating disorder, but it's helpful to think about um, how our relationship is with our food and with our body. Um, if you're really experiencing some, some distress or noticing that you're you're really preoccupied. You're spending a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort thinking about these things and, and trying to control things, then that might be a time to reach out for some help. And, and that's something that we can talk about and see if treatment could be beneficial for you. Um, especially like you mentioned, eating disorders have the second highest mortality rate, second only to opiate o- overdose. And up until recently, they held the number one spot. Um, wow. So I think it's helpful to remember that, that it's only recently that they've been overtaken and in, in, in that number two spot. Wow. Um, and another piece of that is there's a, a very high connection to suicidality um, and, and suicide with eating disorders. Um, and we can think about that, um, you know, those, those negative thoughts about your body and, and about yourself that are inherent within eating disorder. And so we can, we can think about how that could um, impact somebody mentally and, and influence those suicidal thoughts. So is that the crux um, so of, the, of, is, the, of the argument? So it's a crust of what or the issue that, that a lot of eating disorders come from or stem from some kind of body image issue where a person is, just feels uncomfortable in their own skin and, or they don't feel that they're pretty enough or their body's in the right shape, which in a way kind of when you look at military life, military culture, PT, physical fitness or, is, or physical training is something mm-hmm. that is – ingrained in our culture. I mean, that is what you, the first thing you learn when you step foot on in basic training is PT. You learn physical fitness. You learn about, you know, um, exercising and getting to and getting into shape and being able to do certain things and being able to climb and run and do all these different things. So that being said, is that part of uh, something we need to address in the military? Yeah, great question. So with eating disorders, um, especially with anorexia and bulimia, one of the criteria is that you are engaging in these behaviors specifically to try and control your shape and weight. Um, so that that means that there's some distress there, right? You aren't liking how your body is looking um, and what that, that looks like for you. Um, so that is a, a big part of eating disorders is that we're doing these things to try and control our shape and weight. 
Um, the, there are a couple of exceptions. Like I mentioned, there's a, um, avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. And so that would be where you're limiting your food intake, um, but not necessarily connected to your shape and weight. Um, that could be sensory um, issues. Maybe you don't like the, the taste, the texture. Maybe there's concern about how that will impact your body, maybe pain, um, you know, that could be fear of vomiting, fear of diarrhea. Um, and so with ARFID, it, it looks a little bit different. It's not specifically tied to shape and weight. Um, so I don't want to miss that. Um, but when we're thinking about anorexia and bulimia and binge eating disorder, definitely um, very, very closely tied to the body image and, and shape and weight concerns. Wow. This is a lot of information that we got in today. Um, we probably need to talk about this for about an hour. We got to have you back and get more into these details because <laughs> a lot of stuff we want to get into that we haven't really, we really just barely scratched the surface, which really talking about even, so what is the healthiest way, which we can't answer this question now in the last minute we have, but what is, what are the healthy ways that we need to start looking at nutrition and health and eating? And still, we just scratch the surface on really like what is the difference as a person, as every person who's obsessed with dieting have an eating disorder, or is that some type of trigger to an eating disorder? And then there is, once again, those extremes where people are at risk of dying because they are not engaging in, they're just really damaging their bodies, either through bulimic or anorexic type tendencies. So I really appreciate your time, Rachel. You've been a great help in getting us some information. Rachel Morales, licensed clinical and social worker. She's at the Heinz VA. If you need help, make sure you reach out to the Heinz VA. Go to the website. Also, make sure you like and subscribe us. We're on YouTube live streaming, and also we're on Facebook live streaming. So make sure you see us and leave us some comments. Leave us some comments. Let us know what you want to hear about. Talk about your experiences with eating disorders or any time with dieting, things like that, particularly the military community, because that is something that's part of our culture. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.